0: Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. Today we're having this interview in honor of Appendix Cancer Awareness Month and I'm joined by our editor in chief Dr. Thomas Abrams.
1: Thank you so much for having me Kira. It's always a pleasure to uh, you know, give a little bit of a, uh an overview on a on a disease I treat and um that I I see a lot of patients with. Mm-hmm. Uh, cancers are, you know, a rare group of malignancies and um we just don't uh, see enough of these patients to build up enough of a clinical trial repertoire to really know how to treat these diseases specifically, like we do for colon cancer and pancreatic cancer, where we see you know a very, very significant number of patients. But I think what I want to do is give a, a, a very quick overview of the four distinct types of appendiceal cancer. And then, kind of take you through how we how we sort of treat each one. Um, the most commonly found appendix cancers are found incidentally during an appendectomy. So, someone comes in, they you know they have what's felt to be acute appendicitis. They have an appendectomy, and then two weeks later, they follow up with their surgeon, and the surgeon says, you know, they found some cancer in the appendix. And so, what kind of cancer? Well. Most of the time, it's going to be an a colonic type adenocarcinoma, so sort of similar to what you would find in the colon, um, and these cancers would be treated exactly like colon cancer because we don't really have enough of a um, of a of a patient uh, um, a critical mass of patients to to to, to trial patients with appendiceal adenocarcinoma. Uh, alone, we we extrapolate from the colon cancer data. So if it's a very small tumor, then surgery alone should be sufficient. If the tumor looks to be more invasive uh, in the appendix, um, then typically we would recommend a, a completion right hemicolectomy. So a second surgery that would sample the nodes and take out part of the right colon. And if there's additional disease, then, you know, that's very valuable because you're removing it and then potentially giving chemotherapy afterward adjuvantly. Um, but that's not all that can happen because adenocarcinomas comprise only about 60% of these patients, uh, of these of these cancers that are found incidentally. You also can have what's known as a mucinous neoplasm, which is not even cancer. Uh, these so-called low-grade appendiceal mucinous neoplasms are really comprised mostly of mucin uh, and very, very low cellularity. And these are the patients that will sometimes present with pseudomyxoma, which is something called jelly belly and their bellies get big with jelly. And so what happens is that these appendiceal mucinous neoplasms, before they can be removed, they can explode and then shower the abdomen with with, with mucin. And then over time, um, that may have happened microscopically, but over time, the belly starts to accumulate this mucin. And what happens is a surgeon has to go in there and kind of physically get that goop out. And um, sometimes what they can do is really try to get all of the goop out and the cells out of the nooks and crannies. And then they can instill chemotherapy, heated chemotherapy, into the abdominal cavity uh, with the idea of of trying to get rid of whatever other cells are in there. Um, It's it's definitely something that can work in low-grade disease, um, but oftentimes, you know, the cancer is still going to come back. Uh, But those patients can live for years and years because it is a very low-grade quasi-malignancy. And then you can have neuroendocrine tumors. Um, these are carcinoid tumors, and they can range from very low grade to higher grade. And And oftentimes surgery is going to cure those, but, but if they do come back, oftentimes they'll come back in the liver and they can cause something called carcinoid syndrome, which is Um, a uh, release of of serotonin and serotonin-like substances into the bloodstream that can cause the characteristic findings of carcinoid syndrome, which is flushing, uh, diarrhea, sometimes shortness of breath and wheezing. And we use uh, somatostatin blockers uh, to uh, to, uh, alleviate those symptoms and slow the progression of disease. So, um, the so I think, you know, it's a wide range of diseases, and it, there's so many different potential scenarios uh, that can happen. Um, and it's important to get the message out there that these cancers not only exist, but they are, you know, not as uncommon as we think they are. And but most of the time, because they're found incidentally, And they're small when they're found. Generally speaking, patients do very well. But in advanced disease, when patients have uh, widespread disease, widespread adenocarcinoma, we treat it just like colon cancer. We give chemotherapy and we're trying to forestall the progression of disease and extend survival and preserve quality of life for as long as possible.
0: Thank you. That was a really good, helpful overview of all the different subtypes. I'm sure there are so many different considerations with all the, you know, the different presentations. How do you uh, personally approach treating these patients in your practice?
1: Yeah. So you know, you when when I see a patient, um, I, I can sometimes they're referred to me from the surgeon who uh, does the appendectomy, the simple appendectomy, and just wants me to evaluate the path and and see, you know, if I recommend additional surgery or or something else, and you know those patients will, you know, talk about the pros and cons. You know, sometimes it's for some subtypes of cancer, and their the the recommendations may be um, different d- depending on which uh, um, uh, society you're looking at. You know, for um, for carcinoid appendiceal carcinoids that are between one and two centimeters. The North American recommendation is potentially doing a right hemicolectomy if there are some high-risk features, but the Europeans just say, just watch it. It's, it should be fine. And, um, you know, so those, those instances where you have those uh, conflicting recommendations, you have to, you know, tell the patient, we don't really know the right answer. There's expert opinion here, and, you know, we'll offer both, but, um, you know, you'll have to pick. Um, and you know, I like to and I and that's a very tough situation. So I like to offer patients um, you know, my own expertise and and say, hey, you know, I think if I were you, I'd probably just be be okay with watchful waiting. I don't think you really need a right hemicolectomy here, knowing that it's not a hundred percent. And uh we we there's no way to guarantee an outcome, but I think it's 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 important to kind of give your own opinion when you're uh when you're seeing a patient, patients with more widespread disease, when you see them, um, then you're talking about uh, giving systemic therapy. Um, and um, you know, for patients with adenocarcinoma uh, that may be metastatic, um, you're going to treat it like colon cancer. You know, you give your full foxes and your full theories and and you do molecular testing to see if they're candidates for other types of treatments. Um, And if it's carcinoid, typically you'll start with an SSA, a somatostatin analog, and um, you'll do a dotatate PET to see what the uptake is and where the disease is. And if the SSA is not, you know, necessarily holding the disease at bay, you may go to a clinical trial or you could treat with lutathera. There are a lot of different options um and um and you see patients through the whole way and then if a patient has a mucinous ad a, a mucinous uh um neoplasm um then you might send to a surgeon for uh for consideration of cytoreductive surgery and hipec so there's just a ton of different potential ways to treat appendiceal cancers it's a very therapeutically uh rich disease because there're just so many different ways to treat and so many different considerations. Um, But I think the message is patients can do very well. Even in advanced disease, some patients are gonna live a very long time, especially with carcinoids and mucinous neoplasms.
0: That's great. Um, So I know you mentioned there isn't as much ongoing research in appendix cancer just due to the rarity of the disease. Are there any future directions in research or treatment that you think might be coming down the pipeline in future years?
1: I think that you know, as we learn more about carcinoid tumor, and there's a ton of research in carcinoid tumor. I think we are definitely improving outcomes in carcinoid tumor. And appendiceal uh, carcinoids are, you know, not an uncommon sort of brand of, of carcinoid tumor. So I think we are definitely moving in the right direction. We have a therapy that was approved within the last four years called Ludothera, which is a, um, a basically an SSA with a radioactive payload, um, so you you're you're basically combining the best uh, therapy for carcinoid with radiation, and so it's like a one-two punch that has really improved the outcome of patients with advanced carcinoid tumors, uh, including those arising from the appendix. I think in the adenocarcinoma realm. As colon cancer treatments evolve, and we learn more uh, uh, about colon cancer treatments, uh, the appendiceal adenocarcinomas are, are 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 evolving as well. I think we've, you know, certainly not come as far in new treatments for colorectal cancers, um, you know, except at the margins for MSI high disease and and things like that. And we don't typically see that very often in appendiceal cancer. So appendiceal cancer, appendiceal adenocarcinomas tend to be treated, you know, in a very vanilla fashion with, you know, your full foxes and your full furies and bevacizumab. And, and that's sort of where we're at for the most part. Um, but do I think that we're going to learn more and, and, and eventually? Uh, break down the barriers with respect to immunotherapies, absolutely. And with respect to the mucinous neoplasms, um, I do think surgery really—you know—these are not uh, diseases that are typically responsive to systemic therapy because they're so posse cellular. So surgery is really the the chief therapy, and I think it always will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think that's those are sort of the. The the avenues for um, for improvement uh, in outcomes here, you know, just kind of taking the the diseases that they are most like uh, and and moving forward there. Um, but I do think that there are some differences uh, with respect to appendiceal cancer. Um, you know, we do see more signet ring histology in adenocarcinomas with Uh, from the appendix than we do in the colon. And those tend to be more aggressive. They can be, you know, very difficult to treat. So there are additional considerations, but, um, uh, you know, that just makes it a little bit tougher. Uh, It doesn't make it impossible. Mm
0: -hmm. So in light of August being Appendix Cancer Awareness Month, what would you most like to share about this disease in hopes of raising more awareness for it?
1: I think, you know, I think it's 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 definitely one that you know it's a it's a disease, uh, it's an organ that most people just don't really know much about. They only know something about it when it goes when it goes off and they get appendicitis. And I think it's I think one of the things that would help um, is before a surgeon takes a patient to the operating room for an for an appendectomy, they say you know. I don't think this is going to happen, but there is an off chance that that the appendicitis that we're operating you on is actually going to show a cancer, and um, because the fear that is generated from an unexpected cancer diagnosis after an appendectomy is incredible, and patients that I see that have gone through this, they they are amongst the most nervous of any patients you're going to see. And I think just to allay their fears and just have the set the expectation that, hey, there's a chance that we're going to see this, I don't think it's going to happen. I do think that's a that's a good message for our you know surgical colleagues uh, to communicate before before the surgery actually happens. Um, so that when that pathology report comes in that shows a cancer, it, it's not the first time they're hearing that it's even possible. You know, and I think that patients who are dealing with this disease, who are chronic uh, patients who have this disease, know that we're working hard. We're trying to improve the outcomes for for uh, patients with these diseases.
0: Definitely, and it's it's great that we have this month to uh, shine a little bit of a light on it, and you know, get these messages out there.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on today to talk about this. I'm I'm glad that we can we can spread this information.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks, Kira.